2: For over 15 years, the Cersei Apprenticeship has been equipping teachers to understand the nature and principles of classical education and showing how those principles can be brought back to any classroom or homeschool. The Cersei Institute's Apprenticeship Program is an in-depth, personal teacher development community. With mentorship and community at its core, it's a program for teachers from all walks of life who want to drink deeply from the wisdom of the ages, engage in inspiring conversation with like-minded friends, and push hard towards truth, wisdom, and virtue. The mentor-apprentice relationship and the community that springs out of it is the very heart of the program. Each of the seven groups is kept small so that mentors and apprentices can truly know each other. The mentors guide the apprentices by providing assessment that blesses, accountability that strengthens, and regular discussions that nurture. The environment is welcome and safe. The community develops over shared meals and stories. The pedagogy is founded on Christian, classical education forms, and the assessment is for the apprentice to flourish. These are the things that set this teacher training program apart. Do you have questions about how this apprenticeship works? Our head mentors are here to help. Each week this spring, one of them will be available online via Zoom to answer your questions about the program. So whether you have questions about the curriculum, the retreat experience, or the purpose of the program, the Circe team is here to clarify. Visit searcyinstitute.org slash apprenticeship to check this week's date and time.
3: You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 59, Four-Star Daydream. Today's proverb comes from Sir Thomas Gresham. I'll read it twice. Bad money drives out good money. Once more, bad money drives out good money. Bad money is overvalued money. It's money that looks like good money, looks like real money, and which we are asked to treat like good money, but which everyone knows is something worse. So let's say there are two gold coins, and both of the gold coins say $10 on them. But everyone knows that one of these coins weighs more than the other, or is more pure than the other, or more rare than the other. Then the man who possesses that real coin, that better coin, will be loath to spend it. He won't mind spending the worst coin the cheaper coin, the coin that's less pure. But he's going to hold on to the things that he knows are actually worth more. Even if somebody's claiming that those better things or real things are of no greater value than what everybody else has. He knows. You always know when you've got something real. And you always know the person who possesses something real Is always very quick to identify the fakes that are out there. Like if you've spent the money on a real Chanel handbag, you're far more apt to point out a fake when you see it. If you have a real romance, if you have a real love, you're going to be more apt to spot A fake romance or a fake marriage Or a fake friendship When you see it Now this proverb Bad money drives out good money Is primarily concerned With governmental agencies The sort that have the power To raise and lower interest rates This is Gresham's Law As it's often referred to But it has meaning For individuals as well This is a proverb This is not E equals MC squared. This is not the Pythagorean theorem. This is a proverb. This is a statement about how things are. Whether we're talking about government spending or my spending. So bad money drives out good money. What does it mean? Around 70% of all the people who win the lottery or receive some other sort of windfall of money through inheritance or what have you, lawsuits, are entirely broke within five years of receiving that money. Sports Illustrated estimates that 78% of NFL players are either bankrupt or under financial stress within two years of retirement. 60% 60% of NBA players are broke within five years of leaving the sport. And it almost doesn't matter how much you're starting with. You could start with a $200 million fortune like Allen Iverson had. Or you could start with some more modest sum, 3 $4, 5000000 million. No matter how much you start with. No matter how much the big deal gives you 78% of NFL players, 60% of NBA players, and 70% of lottery winners, no matter how much the lottery win is, are broke. Broke. They haven't simply lost their winnings. They've lost everything. 70% of people who win the lottery Lose all the lottery money And then whatever they had to start with Why? Well, because Bad money drives out good money This idea has Wide-reaching Ramifications Now when I say bad money For an individual, bad money for an individual Looks differently than bad money On a sort of national scale So Gresham's law Pertains to um, you know, the sort of inflation that we see in 3rd century Rome when the whole empire is falling apart. And you've got people uh, who stage a coup and then pay all those who helped them out of the royal treasury. And this happened so many times in the 3rd century that by the end of the 3rd century, warlords and petty dictators are... Cutting Roman coins in half And re-minting each half As though it were whole The size of the coin is diminishing So that's one way in which bad money drives out good money Obviously if you've got two gold coins That are supposed to be worth the same amount But one weighs twice as much as the other You're not going to spend it But this has ramifications for the individual as well Bad money for the individual is money that you don't earn. Bad money for the individual is money that's real, genuine currency, but which costs you no amount of cunning, no amount of intelligence, no amount of blood or risk, nothing. That's bad money for the individual. That's the windfall of money. And that money has this way of working through, not only your entire fortune, but your whole soul. And all money is cheapened in your eyes, even the money that you worked hard for. And so it becomes difficult to spend money according to its real value. If you win $10 million in the lottery. It's easy to spend the first half without blinking an eye. And to tell yourself the entire time, well, what if I'd only won $5 million in the lottery? That would still be a lot. And so you go from 10 to 5, telling yourself the whole way along, this is still far more than I ever thought I'd see. But you can keep Zeno's paradoxing that $10 $10 million over and over and over again, cutting it by half, cutting it by half again, cutting it by half again, until you get to the point that you're spending the last 100000 over what you uh, had before you won and telling yourself, well, I would have been delighted to win $100,000. Would have changed my life. The problem is, after you spent all the money you had, and maybe you spend that last hundred thousand from the ten million dollar jackpot that you won originally, maybe you spend that last hundred thousand telling yourself, my life was better before I had this money, and that makes it easier to spend it. But of course, after you've spent four or five years doing very little other than spending money, it's hard to go back to that life where money is hard won. And you bring back to your poverty all the habits of spending that you have patiently taught yourself for the last five years. And so there's really nothing... There's no habit that forms more quickly than spending money. Good habits are so hard to come by. They're so hard to form. Even most bad habits take a while to really settle in. But just spending a day playing loosely with money will have effects for days after. It's profound just how quickly we become accustomed to cheap money. Bad money drives out good money. It's true not only of money. You think about bad things driving out good things, and you can see it just about everywhere. For example, in a private school. Bad students drive out good students. The headmaster has to be vigilant in kicking out bad students. If you don't kick out bad students, the good students are not going to want to stay there. If you let a certain number of students get away with murder, if you let them get away with pestering their teacher, pestering their, their fellows cheating on homework and you throw cheap grace at them all the way along if every time a bad kid comes into the principal's office his parents throw some kind of fit about grace and mercy and all that and you just let them stay you can't be surprised when everybody else around that kid says you can have this problem I'm going somewhere else you can't force me to stay here If you're going to keep him, I don't want to be here anymore. Bad students drive out good students. Bad teachers drive out good teachers. Bad teachers make life hard on good teachers. If there's one or two or three teachers at a school, at a classical school, who care about nothing more than grades, who deal out the sort of cheap grace that keeps bad students around and contented, Eventually, they will cheapen the work of the good teachers that are around them, and the good teachers will go somewhere else. Bad students make a school look desperate. And desperation almost always suggests incompetence. That if you're so desperate for students that you're going to keep that kid around... There must be a dozen ways in which you're failing me that I just don't know about yet, says the parent who hauls his kid out. I'll take my child to a school that has better gatekeeping, that polices the front door a bit better, that doesn't allow bullies to stick around. Bad money, to go back to the proverb, to go back to Gresham's law bad money is overvalued money and overvalued things are usually fake and so we could think of a fake Prada handbag as just an overvalued handbag now granted it's not overvalued by the one that possesses it but it is overvalued by everyone who sees it and that's really what you want if you have a fake Prada handbag you want other people to overvalue it You want to pay $20 for the the fake handbag, and you want everyone who sees it to think that you paid $2,000 for it. If other people don't overvalue it, it's not worth owning. If you aren't vigilant against bad things, if you aren't vigilant against cheap things, against fake things, against easy things, they drive out good things because they make good things seem too expensive, too demanding, too cruel, too time consuming. Fake things are always cheaper than real. They're always kinder than real. They're always easier, sweeter more uniform, more neat, more tidy. And the longer you expose yourself to fake things, the more reality seems a burden. The more reality seems unfair, exacting, burdensome. The more you expose yourself to fake things, the less... Desire You have to do anything Because all of reality seems to bear down on you With its standards and its limitations And its high cost And that which is fake, the simulacrum, the forgery of reality Is always so accommodating It will Sink to your level. It will meet you where you are. That's always what fake things do Fake things meet you where you want to be Reality is way up there fake sets the bar very low Bad theology drives out good theology bad theology curriculum drives out good theology curriculum if your theology curriculum isn't getting older. It's getting faker. Take a survey. Like, everybody who works at a classical school should do this. You should find out what the average age of a book is in your humanities program, in your 10th grade humanities program, your junior humanities program, senior humanities program. You should find out what the average age is of a philosophy book at your school. High school. What's the average age of a theology book? And you should keep track from one year to the next. And over a five-year period, you've to look back and say, is our curriculum getting older or newer? Which is another way of saying, is it getting faker or realer? Are we going to pretend that these new books are really difficult? They're not Are we going to pretend that these new books are as good as the old ones? That they're as demanding as the old ones? That they're as expensive in terms of cost and time as the old ones? They're not. I guarantee you. Fake women drive out real women. If there's a fake woman in the women's bathroom, the real women are probably trying to leave. That's always what fake does. We don't trust fakes, especially not if we're in possession of what's real, we know that if we agree, if we, the possessor of what's real, allow somebody who has a fake to the table, we know that eventually they're going to want to trade. (laughs) If you've got two people with Prada handbags. One fake and one real. If the one with the real handbag comes to treat the one with the fake handbag as though it's real, the one with the fake will capitalize on that. They'll make something of it. And they'll ask to trade. Or they will attempt to pass theirs off as real in terms of cost and thus knowledge, taste, sophistication. They will push it. If somebody with a fake recognizes that those with the real can't tell the difference or are unwilling to call them out on the fact that they have a fake, man, the person with a fake is going to run away with it. Bad money drives out good money. Which means that if you want to keep your good money, if you want to keep your good students, if you want to keep your good romance, your good marriage, you have to drive out the bad. Now, the modern man is no good at that because it requires confrontation. It requires an unsentimental approach. To reality, a belief that you sometimes must ask other people to suffer for the sake of goodness. The good drives out the bad, which means you've got to drive out the bad. You can't simply wait around for the bad to be revealed as bad, or for the bad to give up, or for the bad to call it quits, or go somewhere else. You have to take an active approach. You have to not fold your hands and wait for nice things to happen to you. You have to be proactive. You have to take a planned, deliberate, virtuous stance against evil. And when evil whines and complains that you're being merciless and unfair, you simply have to endure those accusations with a stiff upper lip. Bad money drives out good money. Bad students drive out good students. Bad love drives out good love. Bad sex drives out good sex. Bad everything drives out good everything. Ugliness drives out beauty. And so it's a burden that must be endured by those with the real and the good The burden is that of making war on wickedness and not simply hoping that wickedness goes away. It means having an iron stomach on top of it all. The good man cannot simply want to be left alone.